It is Thursday, January 14th, and we're back on another edition of Kentucky Politics Weekly. I'm your host, Trey Watson, joined uh, remotely, as always, by Stephanie Steitzer-Holzer. Stephanie, how are you doing? Doing well. It's going to be a cold weekend here, looks like. We're actually going up to the in-laws because one one in-law has been vaccinated. The other has previously had it and has antibodies. The wife's got first round of shots, so we're going to try a little bit of traveling to go see some family this weekend so we'll see how that goes that's excellent i hope that we can continue to get back to some normalcy as people get this my grandmother got her first round in the um, nursing home this week so i'm thrilled about that yeah and we'll, we'll get into a bunch more uh, uh vaccine talk here in a little bit because i think there's a little bit of controversy in lexington specifically uh and and you know it's a broader discussion about exactly how this rollout's going but let's start with the big news uh from yesterday the president was impeached for the second time as you pointed out earlier he's the uh the first cast member ever from home alone 2 to be impeached twice <laughs> um <laughs> and you know i i mean i i've i've said repeatedly that i want to see him go i i will say this and and there are you know, we said before we started recording, we we're going to talk about Ben Shapiro, but I just want to use him because because of what he said. Now, I don't want to I want to pivot off that point is he was trying to make an argument this morning that uh, Republicans voted against impeachment because they know it's just the Democrats trying to use the process to destroy their the opposing party. It's if you listen to I listened to the entire debate yesterday. That was 100 percent not the case. The majority of people, Republican and Democrat, wanted the president punished in some shape or form the only people who who didn't really seem to want him punished were the the QAnon caucus with green and bobert and that bunch and then uh what i'm gonna have to circle in the bro caucus matt gates and madison cawthorn and and that bunch of well quaffed uh individuals you know they were still singing the QAnon and the election of uh, the uh the antifa and the election was stolen chorus pretty much everybody else including you know for the first time and all this uh, uh, leader McCarthy were pretty staunch on the fact that Trump bears responsibility and needs some level of punishment. I think the, the problem is for a lot of the Republicans that voted yesterday were, was the process. Uh, you know, impeachment is not something to, to do lightly. Uh, you're talking about doing it in a, in a week. You're basically trying, trying to remove a president within, you know, two weeks of the crime that you're impeaching him for, which depend, you, know, you, you could argue it's appropriate, but the speed sets a the speed and the lack of committee hearings sets a dangerous precedent, I think. And our country exists and operates on precedent. Um, you know, and, and any sort of precedent setting thing, you, you just, you have to keep in mind, how is this going to impact future occurrences that may have nothing to do do with what we're talking about now, but they're going to look at this as a, as, as a precedent setting event. You know, and I just, I, I, I do understand that hesitation. I mean, if this is a precedent setting event, that's terrifying because what's truly precedent setting here is a sitting president, uh, you know, not uh, recognizing a legitimate uh, election and inciting a mob uh, violence on the United States Capitol while Congress was in session. I mean, that's precedent setting. Well, this is all, this... I mean, this is all unprecedented. I mean, that's right. But, so, but, but, the, but the problem, but the problem is, is that your actions set a precedent that will be used in the future 
and completely unrelated, completely unrelated scenarios. And I just dismiss that because there's there are so many things for which Democrats could have uh, tried to impeach Trump for a second time. Um, I, I just think that it was just the extreme severity of this. I mean, people died. Let's not well, forget and, that. And, 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 and remember, I, I'm I'm with the removal. I'm on yeah. team. I'm on team removal, but I'm also I also understand the hesitancy of, of some Republicans. Now, you know what I will say is this thing's that you know just because it's going to get to the Senate after he's out of office doesn't mean it's done, because impeachment, you know, convicting on impeachment ha- carries with it a whole nother list of things such as impacting his ability to run the future, hit, impacting uh, some legal protections he might have. Be, be, from being president impacting um uh you know pensions and future all the all the various perks of the office that you get as a as a former president um you know there, there are still this thing does still need to be pursued not only because people need to know the truth and they need a finality on it but also there there is still uh, punishment available to the president even after he's left office but the problem with that, as we know, I mean, Americans already have short attention spans and um, there is a huge yearning even on the left to, to just not have to talk about Trump every day, not have to hear about Trump every day. <laughs> and my fear is that, you know, once the inauguration happens, even among some on the left, we're going to feel really good. Like, let's let's just clean slate. Can we just move on? But we can't. Okay, we have to have accountability, uh, but, we, but we, I think but we also have to have process. And what, you know, what, what, what did I, what did I tell you? Oh my what, gosh, what your party, got... your party. I mean, Ruth Bader Ginsburg wasn't even in the ground when you all had a new nominee uh, for Supreme Court. I mean, you did that in less time before the election than we're talking about now. And we followed a process. The, the process is going to be followed, but this this notion that the Senate doesn't have time. It's what one article. I mean, follow the process, but do it in the expedited way in which you, you put in a new Supreme Court justice. No, I, because my concern is that I don't know. I don't think McConnell would be doing a bait and switch here. I I, I, I think I, I, he, I also believe McConnell does not have the votes right now, and that he needs some more investigative information to come out publicly that will put pressure on members to to complete the vote i, I think he's probably close but if you're if, if it's not going to get to 17 then what's the what's the point of, the, of, of this whole operation he needs the 17 republicans and i think if you can give it a little bit of time to let some more of the information come out because you know everything that you hear is people who have inside knowledge and are seeing seeing the raw footage and, and security cam footage say it's worse than any of us know Right. And I think if we give it some time for all of that to come out, you know, it seems like they've got pretty good guardrails put up on Trump at the moment. Um, you know, obviously he still has the bully pulpit of the of the presidency, but removing him is not going to stop these nut jobs from having these protests in the 17th. It's it's just it's That's it's true. not. So let's if we're going to do it, let's do it. And I think part of me says that that McConnell probably thinks that he had if 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 he didn't think that he'd be able to get there. He'd probably say, yeah, whatever, let's do it. The vote's going to lose. It lose now. It lose later. My gut tells me that him pushing it back probably says, I think I can get there. 
let's let the, the rest of this information get out in the public. I mean, the, the guy, he is, he's, a, he's two things, a master strategist and a master vote counter. So do you think it's irrational uh, for me to be afraid that, you know, once the 17th, uh, you know, or once, once Trump is, or, or once Biden is inaugurated, then McConnell says, well, let's just move on. Like, no, be, no because, because this, this, that, that only ends one fight. Then the, then the then the other fight starts, which is which is inside the party, yeah. and that's going to be a lot longer, a lot broader, and a lot potentially a lot nastier fight. And I, I think I think you, you cut you cut one leg out from underneath Trump if you if you can fully expose him and get and impeach him. It's going to embolden a lot of a lot more mainstream Republicans, traditional Republicans, to fully embrace the turn and work to exercise this guy versus if it just kind of keeps limping along, you know, you, you need to kick that one leg out from underneath him and hobble him. Yeah. Well, it takes me back to something you said uh, a few minutes ago that, you know, these, these folks are screaming that it's the Democrats are just trying to destroy the Republican. Party. I mean, I got a news flash for folks out there. Like the party was destroyed from within. You didn't really need a lot of help from Democrats to do it. And um, so I think that's, that's kind of a crazy statement. I think all, uh, you know, most Democrats want, including myself, is accountability because we understand that, um, you know, you can't let this go in a, in, a, in a nation of laws and order. You cannot ignore something of this magnitude or it'll happen again. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, I, I think I do. I do think you're. You, you know, I'll quibble with your, your verbiage a little bit. You know, I think the Republican Party has been, was the, and I said this on WYMT and WKYT the other day, I, I think we were the victims of a, of a hostile takeover of, a, uh, you know, a group of outsiders came in and used used our process to take sure. over the party. Um, but it wasn't Democrats. No, no, no. It was, it was, it was well, it, I mean, Trump was a Democrat, but I mean, they, they, were, <laughs> they, weren't, they weren't acting as Democrats. They were just crazy sure. people coming in and take over. Uh, and, now, and, and now the battle is going to begin to, like I said, to, to exercise those demons and tr to try to, to try to move, uh, move on. Um, you know, uh, kind of some other stuff coming out of yesterday. Uh, I noticed saw this morning of uh, the state parties of a lot of these members who voted for impeachment have been waylaying their own members, which, uh, I think is, it's kind of interesting. Um, I don't, I don't think it's deserved. I think, you know, you, you vote your conscience, especially on this one. And everything you read said McCarthy, and McConnell have both basically said, we're not, we, we ain't whipping for the president. You know, you can vote however you want to vote. Um, Liz Cheney is under a lot of fire from the conservative wing of the party and in, uh, in, in the caucus uh, to potentially re remove her from her leadership position as, as caucus chair, especially by kind of being led by Jim Jordan. <laughs> I did tweet this last night because it, you know, the, the, the imagery is not exactly what you want out there right now, but all I could think of you're going to go after Liz Cheney. This is a family who shoots their friends in the face. Yes. I mean, <laughs> well, they're enemies. <laughs> as, as the Democrat here, I, I just sit in awe sometimes and I kind of reflect like, you know, nobody saw this in the, uh, you know, the magic eight ball, right? Like that we'd be talking about a Cheney, you know, Dick Cheney's daughter not being, you know, conservative enough, wanting, you know, people wanting to, to oust her from the Republican Party. Nobody would believe this if we said this, you know, even a year ago. Well, that, that's what I keep saying is, you know, I, I mean, I, I was 
I was considered a radical for years because I was a club for growther, and now I'm now I'm now I'm a rhino. Apparently, it's like <laughs> okay, well, <laughs> uh, I you know both parties have just gone so far to the wings. I, I'm I'm wondering. I'm still wondering if if you know, especially the Republican Party, and I think the Democrats because Trump has been so bad, and they have they've been able to bond over a shared hatred of Trump. It's going to be, I, I, I'm very interested to see once you remove Trump as an agitating factor, or I, I guess for, for Democrats as it is a binding factor. Once you remove Trump, does the, does the, what I've always seen on the horizon, does the, does the, the internal fight among the Democrat party start to play out, you know, start, start to ramp up here more quickly over the next couple of months, once Trump is gone and Biden's officially. Start. Here start well do you I mean, follow do you I mean, follow kdp uh kdp staff fights I mean, with, I, mean, I, I, mean, with liberals? I mean i mean publicly it you know it's it's not it hasn't kind of spilled out in the way that the republicans you know open sores have uh you know it, it'll be interesting especially once they start trying to pass legislation because i don't think biden wants to go as far as a lot of these you know aoc and the squad want to go and how public and how aggressive does that fight become there's no doubt it's already started. Uh, so but, yeah, both parties are going to be interesting to watch over the next year to see how, how these internal fights play out. Well, and, and you know, the, 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 the thing to really watch is, is Joel Manchin. Yeah. And, you know, I mean, I get it. We need him. We have a slim majority, but I also am very convinced that that majority won't last beyond two years. And so well, the, 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 map, the map is good for Democrats in, in 20, 2022. You know, it's 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 not a great map for us to defend on, even even if we've got a slight advantage. Yeah, but you have the advantage of, you know, people always kind of want to swing away from yeah. uh, the majority party and that it won't be any different. And, you know, the circumstance, I mean, you all shouldn't have lost the Georgia races. Um, Trump played a direct uh, no, he, he role in those. that. <laughs> and so it's just like the Roy Moore seat. I mean, we, we were never going to hold on to that seat forever. So, you know, I mean, we can't be held hostage to, you know, one guy from West Virginia. Um, but at the same time, we need him. So, well, hopefully- but I, I think I think that the four people who have the most power in the United States Senate are going to be Joe Manchin. Susan Collins, Mitt Romney, and Lisa Murkowski, because that yes. that's that that is your center, and a, anything that you want to do, yeah, you you can lose Mansion if you can pick up Collins, you know, it, it, yep. it, so it's it's gonna or you pick up Romney, it's gonna be interesting to watch and see how kind of that that foursome. Uh, and, and I mean, if I were them, that if I were for them, I'd get together and just say, all right, we run we run the show now. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what I want to see, what my hope, my sincerest hope is, you know, Joe Biden wasn't my 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 pick in the primary, right? But what my hope is is because he's an institutionalist, because he's been around, you know, for longer than I've been alive, that maybe that will help get uh, the Senate back to the sort of stable institution that it once was the deliberative body. Yeah. And, and I, you know, I've always told you that I told, I told you, you were very concerned when Donald Trump first got elected. And what I tell you, I said, have faith in Mitch McConnell. He's an institutionalist. He's not going to go nuts in the Senate. And I, you know, I think you saw, he, he did not, he did not get rid of the filibuster, like despite Trump demanding it. You know, he stood up at the end when when there was calls to 
to not accept the to not accept the vote. I, I think at the end of the day, Mitch McConnell believes in the in in the levers of power that exist and using them the right way. And remember, he's still he's not going to be majority leader, but unless Chuck Schumer really makes a vast error in judgment and eliminates the filibuster, which Joe Manchin said he won't vote against, so that'll that probably puts an end to that effort. Um, but un- unless unless Schumer somehow gets over that hump and does it. McConnell still got a tremendous amount of power to yield in, in that body. Absolutely. Uh, you know, my indictment isn't on Senator McConnell for that. It's the fact that I, I believe that he had an opportunity two, three years ago to rein in this, this crazy train that's now out of control. Um, and he didn't do it because he, he had too much to gain by going along with it. That's well, the al- indictment. He also knows how to count votes and y- you can't, you can't, you can't try to slow down the train if you're not in the room. And you know, if if he had pushed too hard, he would he wouldn't have had any power because he would have he he would have probably been ousted from leadership. Yeah, you know, but that's you, why I say two three years ago, before this thing had really spiraled the way it has. Well, but I, I think, and and I've got an op-ed piece coming out in the, in the in the Herald this weekend, and and I get into this. I think part of being a conservative is having an innate faith in people to eventually, even if it takes a while, do the right thing. And I think that, you know, for the first time in a very long time, you know, Trump defied that faith in faith in human nature, <laughs> and I, I and I think I mean I, we have members of QAnon in Congress. Now. I know. I, like, I I I think that has a lot to do with. With you know people, oh, I don't know why. I, Republicans just think that eventually you're going to do the right thing, and and Trump proved. I mean, I guess part of it is because Trump's not a Republican or a conservative, so that should have been tip number one. But that's neither here nor there. <laughs> uh, let, let's uh, keep going through the news. Uh, the hunt for uh, for the Capitol invaders is continuing. Um, the arrests keep piling up. We got we got an Olympic. I mean, and and the the world of people that were involved in this is amazing. Like you got CEOs, Absolutely. uh, you know, you got Olympic two-time Olympic gold medal swimmer, um, you know, and then you got your, your, your regular, regular nutcases, but, uh, the arrests are piling up. Um, you know, the interesting thing to me is you've got it. We were talking about this before the show there, there, there are, to me, there's two buckets of people here. There's the people who, who after the rally was over, marched up to the Capitol and whether they whether they physically went in the Capitol or they were involved in the chaos outside, I, I think you've still got some level of uh, culpability and everything. But there were many, many thousands more who were at the rally a mile and a half away and went home after the rally. Now, the rally was for something stupid. They were there to try to push for an unconstitutional act to be done to, to overturn the election. That's, that's fine. But they, you know, they're guilty of being taken by a con man. They're not guilty of, uh, you know, broader insurrection that, you know, they they were exercising the first amendment rights, which protects your right to be stupid uh, or, or to be conned. So that I, I think, you know, there, there's a lot of, I think there's pe- there are some people I think getting caught up into this, and I know you're you're pointing out that there's some members of Kentucky's law enforcement community who who I believe went to the rally but did not go to the Capitol, if I'm not mistaken. You know, it's there there's there's two different buckets here, and I do have some concern over how people are being are being punished 
for exercising their First Amendment right versus those who actually do deserve to be punished because they went to the Capitol to try to break in and overthrow the government? Um, so my thoughts on this, you know, I'm, this is a tough one because first amendment rights, free speech. I mean, I can't, I can't in good faith sit on Twitter last night and argue with a troll over, you know, the right to UK, uh, basketball players to take a knee during the anthem, uh, but then say that, you know, law enforcement shouldn't be able to exercise their first amendment rights either. That would make me a hypocrite. Okay. But I start thinking like a little bit more about kind of what I know, what we know about law enforcement He's doing a little, you know, digging. And I think that this is one of those that really gets nuanced and, and the details matter. Right. I mean, because uh, law enforcement take oaths of office, uh, you know, they swear to uphold the constitution. They, they have to conduct themselves in a certain way on and off duty. I was um, finding, you know, the International Association of Police Chiefs has, uh, you know, some great like, you know, codes of ethics and codes of conduct that cover, um, you know, on and off duty behavior. You can't as an off duty officer, uh, you know, break laws and consume too much alcohol, right? And there's, there's just how you're supposed to, and, it's, and then it also comes down to public trust, right? And I think that's where things get real gray. Uh, you got to start to wonder how, cl- how close were they to the Capitol, right? That's why I think they're saying they're, they're really investigating this because well, that's what I said. If you, if, it's if real you, convenient to say, oh, I, I didn't break into the building. But if, you if, also pointed out at the beginning of this conversation, Trey, that they were there to protest, to do something, a, a protest that was o- calling for an unconstitutional act. Their oath they swear to uphold the constitution. So that's where it gets to, this isn't like they were just at a generic uh, reelect Trump rally. Um, they were at a, a rally that was calling for overturning a legitimate election, a constitutional question here. So I think we need to know a lot more about how close were they? Again, um, if, if they were at the rally, that's fine. If, if they headed up to the Capitol, even if they didn't go in, they were part of the crowd that was pushing the crowd forward. And that's a problem for me. And you have to wonder, you know, okay, where do you, so then where do you draw the line? Right. Because uh, free speech is free speech, but it's not, we talked about it with Scott white um, two days ago that, that all of those freedoms have limitations. We also know that there's often consequences. Yes. You have the right to exercise speech, but it may cost you your job as a lot of these people have ended up losing their jobs. Uh, rightfully so, but you have to kind of wonder, um, a little bit about, you know, where, where do you draw the line? Is it okay for these guys to be on these forums spouting some of this stuff? Um, are they allowed to be members of some of these extreme organizations? Uh, because there's a public trust issue. If I'm at a Black Lives Matter rally and I see one of these guys who I know has been spewing some of this stuff on social media, I mean, that's, it's, there's public trust issues. Um, you know, public employees uh, do have restraints on them. Um, you know, teachers can go to Frankfurt and they can protest and rally. But I know for a fact that, that friends of ours who are teachers tell me uh, repeatedly that they are, are threatened 
harshly and frequently reminded to keep their mouths shut about anything controversial when it comes to social media. They're not just supposed to not talk about yeah, politics. But, 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 but I, I can tell you those policies are also unequally enforced. Uh, I, you know, I obviously was one of the people who was uh, very involved with monitoring a lot of those, those sorts of posts and from 2017, 2018, when, when a lot of the protests were going on. And I, I know that was a policy. It was very much not equally enforced. Not only that, but I, I also know that they were, a lot of them were using their, their school, their government funded emails to, organize political and that's wrong and you know but at the same time if we it, you know we did a lot of open records requests and, and obtained a lot of them there's nothing we could do with them because we would have been torn apart by the public for going after teachers and you know so it that there is unequal enforcement of those policies as well i i i would like to see the school systems the teachers hold themselves more accountable to it but you know it is it is it is what it is you know i, I do think it's interesting too that these people you know, we're talking about teachers, you're talking about law enforcement officials, anybody who works for the government, you know, they do have a problem that these guys are getting fired by private employers don't have, which is, uh, you know, this is now this is the government in, in infringing upon their freedom of speech because they work for the government. So it does make the case a little bit more complicated when you're talking about First Amendment rights. Sure. It's, it's a complicated. That's why I say I think the devil is in the details. Um, but it is a concern, you know, this isn't, I don't want to just come off as a liberal who wants to, you know, rail against, you know, right-wing cops, but I mean, we know, we know that, that there are law enforcement that are really way too deeply involved in, in, in a lot of this activity. And that is a concern. I mean, you've got members of Congress talking about how, you know, they're, they are not feeling safe. Uh, and they're not feeling protected uh, because of people on the inside. So we have to, I mean, if I were, you know, if I were running an agency, a public agency, I would be doing fresh background checks on, on law enforcement that I oversee because we need to understand, you know, what these guys, I don't care if you're off duty, you don't, you, you don't get to be, if you're a cop, you don't get to be on right wing, you know, extreme, you know, uh, forums and calling for this insurrection and, being on QAnon, uh, you know, threads and things like that. Where do you draw the line? Yeah, it's, I, it, I mean, it's definitely, I mean, it's, I mean, that's, a, that's a whole broader discussion about makeup of law enforcement and, and recruiting problems. And what do you do if you run off all these people? You don't have any cops, you know, you don't have enough cops. By the way, you, you, you brought up um, members of Congress who don't feel safe. I just, this just came across my Twitter and I had to bring it up. Representative Presley from uh from massachusetts is calling gop congress people who won't wear masks masks saying that that they that they're they're engaging in chemical warfare it's chemical warfare stephanie it's not chemical warfare but um she said but you could i mean aren't there laws in the books like if you have like hiv or aids you and you knowingly you know transmit yeah, that but, i don't yeah, know why this you, is any you, different you have to know and you have to be doing it for malicious purposes to be to be convicted i mean it's it's, it's uh, but but it's this is not chemical warfare you know no it, it's not chemical warfare if, but if you, if you want to talk about why things keep spiraling out of control it's because yes, people, people use yes. that level of hyperbole it's not chemical warfare but we should all be completely deeply disturbed yes. that a bunch of conservative members of congress were in a safe room with elderly members of congress one of whom had cancer and refused to wear masks when asked to. And now three of these members have 
contracted COVID. Well, to be fair, from being in that safe room. To be fair, Nancy Pelosi allowed a member who knowingly had COVID onto the floor because Pelosi needed her vote. So, you know, it the all the stuff with the COVID restrictions up there have been all have been all jacked up. Um, I, I do. My, my, my biggest problem with that whole story was, and I don't know if it's true. I haven't seen any, any of the Republicans involved speak up. Um, my biggest problem with that whole story though, was that uh, I forget which one of the people that, that ended up being contracting COVID from that situation said that they were making, that they were making fun of her for asking them to put on a mask. And that's just, that's, that's, that's not, it's not neighborly. It's not human. I don't. Oh, it's not human. This is just like, no human decency. No be, human decency. To, to make fun of somebody for asking them to put on a mask is just is, is ridiculous. Um, <laughs> anyway, <laughs> let's move it along. Uh, polling numbers out yesterday or uh, out this morning, rather, from Axios Ipsos polling. Um, I just I don't even know what to say about this. Uh, it's a poll about Trump. Two thirds of House Republicans voted. Uh, let's see here. Poll: sixty-four percent of Republicans said they support Trump's recent behavior. Fifty-seven percent say Trump should be the twenty twenty-four nominee. Only seventeen percent say he should be removed from office. Now, to me, more just to me, to me, and uh, the detailed findings. Uh, let me see what the breakdown was here. Fifty-six percent consider themselves traditional Republicans. Thirty-six percent Trump Republicans. Of the thirty-six percent Trump Republicans, ninety-one percent support. The president's continued con- uh, contesting the election. Ninety percent think that Trump. Ninety-six uh, percent think that Trump makes the Republican Party better, and ninety-two percent of those people want to see Trump run in twenty twenty-four. Among traditional Republicans, only forty-six percent support uh, his his uh, his continued contesting election. Fifty-one percent think he makes the party better. Forty-one percent want to see him run. So, you know, there is some some hope there. I do believe, as we talked about earlier, as more details come out on exactly what happened at the Capitol, and probably as we as we start to see some more of these, because I, you know, you and I are in the very small minority of people who actually like look at par- the parlor takes Twitter feed and kind of know what these people were saying behind, you know, behind their their siloed off walls uh, uh, amongst themselves. I think once this stuff gets starts to get put out into the public, uh, especially that number among traditional Republicans is going to plummet. You know, I, I think I, I, this is one of those deals where oftentimes I think when you, when you talk about politics enough and you, and you're around it and you know, the people and you, it, you know, some, especially somebody like me who kind of lives it, you, you can tend to put yourself in a bubble and forget that the real world is still turning and they're not paying attention to this stuff 24 seven. I think once, once the veil gets pulled back on who these people were and, and what motivated them, I would suspect that the president's numbers, at least among traditional Republicans are going to plummet from what you saw here. So this is where we go back to that fundamental disagreement of human beings will come around in your mind and do the right thing. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that applies here. I don't think that number among traditional Republicans, I don't think those numbers will, will drop as more information comes out because of the state of, of mis and disinformation today. Again, I've, I've long believed Trump's a symptom of a greater problem that, that it still exists. And it has just been, um, you know, it spiraled out of control, um, snowballed um, to epic proportions in the last four years. Um, all I hear among um, Republicans in my, in my universe, my family, and they're, they're varied in their beliefs, but pretty die hard. And I, it's just, the, they've gone back to the what, ab- what about ism. 
um, to so many, they believe that this is no different and no worse than, you know, the riots in um, cities over the past year. Um, it's, it's, and it's, you know, to, to see the rhetoric that they use, um, you know, they believe because of the way images were, um, you know, used and used out of context and manipulated. I mean, they, they use words like, you know, cities were burned to the ground. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know any city in the United <laughs> States that was burned to the ground. Um, there, was a, yes. there, was, there was a lot of vandalism. Yeah, we, there was we, a we lot of vandalism. That. There were fires. There was destruction. Uh, there were deaths. Um, uh, I don't recall. But, you know, I remember I remember at one point over the summer, some relatives were telling me that there were that there were tens of thousands of people rioting in this tiny town in Texas. And I'm like, I really feel like that would be on the news if, <laughs> if, if that were the case. And I go searching and, you know, Texas outlets. And I'm like, I don't think that's happening, I, I, but I, they I, believe that it did. And I, so you can't, you can't I do combat believe, that. I, I do. I do believe that, that Democrats did not do enough to, speak out against the protesting is fine. I do think the Democrats did not do enough that and part, part of this was Republicans didn't give them any move, any room to move on it. It was either you're against the, the rioting and the protests or you're for all, like there was no, there was no room to, to, to take a, a middle road on it. And, I, but I think Democrats should have, should have, should have pushed their way forward and, and done it. I think, I think there was, there was a lack of condemnation of some of the violence because they, they thought it would be viewed as condemning the, the, the protests. And, you know, but again, this is not the Republicans who are trying to do like, Oh, well they did it. We all just need to retreat to our own sides and clean up our own messes. And then we can come back in the middle. You know, it's like, it's like you got your own problem to clean up on the left. We got a problem to clean up on the right. Why don't sure. we, why don't we take some time apart to fix, fix our own houses and then we can come back. Sure. Together. But what to, to your original point, I just don't I don't see that many traditional Republicans, you know, changing their mind on this, even as more details come out about just how close we were to massacre. But, but, but again, but again, social, social media, but you're talking about family of yours that are hyper consumers of social media. Most voters are not those people. And once those voters, I disagree, uh, I disagree. The, I'm talking about people who aren't consumers of a lot of legitimate political news, but they get their news from Facebook, right? Which is just insane. And it's, it's a vacuum. Uh, you know, people that were never politically active, people like my mother who never voted in her life until Trump came along. And now she believes like insane, crazy things. She has no ability to decipher credible information and i think that's a huge problem especially among like the boomer generation right that you know they got on social media they're bored now they're locked down i mean i really have just been sitting there thinking about it today i'm like my mom just really needs a hobby right <laughs> like it sounds terrible i'm not minimizing like her views but i'm like she needs a hobby I, that's what they're doing. This is a boredom. You know, they just sit around on Facebook all day. They want to see pictures of cute kids and their grandkids and puppy dogs. And then they start seeing all of this stuff. And, and, you know, it's, it's the power of sociology and human psychology and they just get worked up into it. 
No, no, I agree with that. I, I, I got faith, you know, but I, as, as I say, my bet I get this weekend, Democrats believe that given the choice, human uh, people will do the wrong thing every time. Republicans believe that that eventually they'll come around and do the right thing. So it's a, just a base, a base difference in belief. Uh, let's let's uh, by the way, one more thing I want to talk about, just because I think it's funny. Uh, Trump wants to stiff Rudy on his on his legal fees and is demanding that, he, that Trump personally approve all reimbursement for any of the travel that Rudy uh, Rudy was doing to file uh, all the file of the court stuff. So he, to which I'd say, shock me, shock me, shock me with he, that deviant behavior. He, he always he always uh, always ends up come, uh, throwing you under the bus. You know, by the way, the first person who gets that uh, 90s pop culture reference gets a cookie. I don't even know what what that was. Somebody on this, somebody who listens to this, one of our 10 listeners will, will, will get that. Uh, let's talk about impeachment Palooza in Frankfurt. Uh, <laughs> you know, and I, I, we can debate what's, 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 I mean, I'm told by people in the house that they just, they, they have a different reading on the, on the constitution than, and, and their responsibilities than Stumbo did. And that's fine. That's, that's how, that's how these things function. People are going to, going to read the rules different. Uh, but now with this uh, committee setting up to, uh, you know, basically it's going to be there. And I, and I love this. So the first meeting of the impeachment committee for Andy Bashir yesterday. First of all, I love the fact that, that, that KDP keeps trying to blame this on Republicans. It's all libertarians that filed this thing. We all, we all can get together and hate them. Absolutely. <laughs> I think uh, that's probably what brought you and I together politically uh, a few years ago. A shared hate of libertarians. Yep. Um, yeah. And I, I always call libertarians the, they're, they're like the, they're like the uncle who tells the, who likes to tell dirty jokes and takes it one step too far. Like, like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Smaller government, get rid of the FDA. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, but I, I love, I love the fact that in the rules they've set up for this thing, if the, if you file the paperwork, and it does not go to it does not get accepted by the committee and kind of moved on towards the body for impeachment you are on the hook for both uh time consumed and legal fees for the person that you were trying to impeach so these, this these, could be a great revenue maker for I, 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 I said i hope andy Bashir hires the most expensive lawyer humanly possible because I mean, Rudy was charging the president 20k a day. Hell, I'll do it for 20k a day. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I mean, it, you may disagree with Andy Bashir. He's done nothing. He's done nothing impeachable. Uh, and and I do believe they formed this committee. I know there are some some fr especially freshman members of the House and some of the more conservative members of the House who would like to to proceed with something like this. And this is actually the best scenario because. It's it becomes a far bigger issue if it's actually members of the body filing impeachment paperwork. This gives a a lot cleaner venue to have their have those people's have those members concerns heard, but in a somewhat less legitimate. That I don't mean legitimate as like legitimate legally, but legitimate as far as as far as like lending weight to it in a in a less I guess in a, in a less weighty format. It it. it I think this is probably the easiest way that they could quell down the, that small group of members that, that wanted to pursue impeachment was is to do it this way. But again, I, I love the fact that they're that they're tagging these these four guys are going to get tagged with all the governor's legal fees for it. That's going to be a painful check for them to cut when they have to 
I, I could just see uh, like the jerk at the end of it when Steve Martin's writing the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Andy Bashir <laughs> writing the checks off. Because uh, it's yeah, it's, but my it's fear gonna, it's gonna get dismissed. But my fear is is that those guys won't be on the hook because they were put up to this, you know. Oh there no, are, they're, they're legally there's gonna, dark money groups. They're legally no, they're gonna the, be on the hook. I mean, somebody's gonna pay. Yeah, it. they're legally on the hook, but they aren't gonna pay out of pocket. Yeah. There's going to be dark, you know. They're, liber- they're libertarians. They don't, have, they don't have money. Oh, but they've got they'll, lots of uh, pay, pay wealthy bit, backers. They'll pay them Bitcoin, Bitcoin, and gold bullion. Uh, yeah, the other now, but this does open the door, unfortunately, to. I mean, I would suspect you're going to see impeachment paperwork filed for probably most elected officials in the state at this point. If you're an elected official in Frankfurt, uh, executive or legislative, I would just go ahead and assume that somebody's going to try to impeach you. (laughs) It's it's shown it's remarkably easy to get the process going. Now, there is another set of paperwork that's been filed this week that I think is a little bit more serious and does have the potential to move forward, and that's against Robert Goforth. Um, yeah, man, I'm loving this. You and I, one of our uh, our favorite tirades is uh, on that guy. Yes, and this is the gentleman who, of course, tried to uh, hog tie and strangle his wife with an Ethernet cable. Uh, now, you know, I've talked to a couple members, and they basically have said we'd like to see him get convicted, and then we can remove him. It makes it a lot easier. But and they do have a point. He was under indictment under all this he got indicted in september he got reelected in november so the people of his district still voted for him knowing this so y- yeah you know, i i do know that there is a there's a base conservative principle and belief that you know who are we to overturn the vote of the people when they they knew this and they still elected him which i get but at the same time this dude does not need to be up there no and you know i mean photos don't lie and neither uh you know, I mean, I, I, again, I'm a liberal, but I do like cops and I don't think the cops were lying on their report when they said she had, you know, physical, visible, physical, um, injuries on her neck, her arms, her wrists. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it's a bad thing. It's a bad thing. I, I mean, here's the good news is that He's not really well liked by the caucus anyways, so it's not like he's got a bunch of influence. I did like the fact that he filed a bill having to do with uh, gun purchasing when he himself may not be able to purchase a gun here pretty soon. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, you know, it'd be interesting to see how that how that moves along. But, you know, I fully suspect that that impeachment paperwork will be filed against you know, Daniel Cameron and David Osborne and somebody will file something against Attica Scott. Somebody will file something. Everybody's going to have the piece of paperwork filed against them. And, and this whole thing is going to just going to become a joke. Yeah. Um, legislation. House Bill 3 is moving forward. Uh, I'm, I'm betting, Stephanie, you and I will have differing opinions on House Bill 3. Uh, House Bill 3 is the bill that would change the way that lawsuits against the state would be dealt with. Right now, uh, if you're going to sue the state of Kentucky for something, it must be filed in Franklin Circuit Court. Um, I've always believed that there needs to be a change of some sort of, you know, if it's if it's if it has something to do with the state, and you know, if you're suing the state, but it's specifically a, an issue dealing with west with Western Kentucky or Eastern Kentucky, why the hell does a judge in Frankfurt get to handle it? It's stupid. Um, so th- this the, the bill would change that they they did change this weird uh, assignment thing this kind of system that the house had put together that uh, that the chief justice of the state supreme court John Minton was very strongly against they they kind of stripped that back out 
uh, to just kind of set it up in the, in the, you know, it's wherever, wherever the, you're, wherever you are aggrieved, you can file the case. Uh, I, I think it's ridiculous that for all these years, it like local issues that you have with, with the local ad- administration of, 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 of regulation by the state has to be dealt with by a judge potentially 300 miles away. I mean, I think this is a bill that's in search of a problem. It's one of those, it's one of those uh, perennial or annual bills that just never goes away. It never gets anywhere. Obviously, it has a chance to now that your party has, um, you know, super majorities in both chambers. But um, you know, the bill as it was originally written was wildly unconstitutional. I mean, you're a big proponent of talking about separation of powers and co-equal branches of government. And it was just a a major, I mean, this, this notion of usurping, um, you know, the circuit court system with some, you know, select panel is, is kind of crazy. And I was really, uh, I was trying to find the quote here and I've lost it, but the, you know, yeah, Justice Mitten's, uh, Hey, he, comments he, on he, it. He called, he called it a, a Rube Goldberg system. Um, yeah, I, he said something even before that that was even more like he was hot about how bad this thing was. But you know what? Um, what, what I would say is, if if we had appointed judges in this state, it, I would have I might have a different opinion on it. But if we're going to elect judges in a in a district locally, then there's no reason that the voters of Franklin County should have a say over how a case that is entirely involved in something that happened in Hopkins County or Pike County or Boyd County. There's no reason the voters of Franklin County should have a say over how those cases are administered. It's ridiculous that, that those voters have, have sway over the entire rest of the state. If you want to change it to where, to where you have, maybe you have a, a court that's a, that's appointed, I, I, you know, I don't know, but, or maybe it just goes straight to Supreme Court. I don't know, but it's it's ridiculous to me that the voters, if you if you have elected judges, that I don't get to vote for the judge who's going to decide cases in my locality uh, when when if the state is involved. Let's just be honest here. If if Franklin County voters were majority conservative and the judges tended to lean more conservatively. We wouldn't even be talking about this right now. No, because it would have right? been cha- it would have been changed by the Democrats a while ago. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, this is a form of judge shopping. Let's be honest. But I, uh, I, I, I do I do think, if from a purely good government standpoint, I would like to think that I'd be on the same side, even if it was reversed. I, I, again, I think it's ridiculous if you have if you have a lawsuit against the state in McCracken County. I think it's ridiculous that a judge elected by the people of Frankfurt or, and, and if you, and not to mention, I'm going to have to drive to Frankfurt to freaking deal with the lawsuit. Like I, it, it's not going to be handled nor adjudicated locally. It's, it's, I, I think that's just, it's bad. I think that's bad government, but. Well, I mean, as I said at the beginning, it's, it's probably, you know, a solution in search for problem at this point, because Tom Fitzgerald from Kentucky resources council got data from the AG's office that showed of the 261 civil cases involving constitutional claims last year, only two were even heard in Franklin circuit court. Yes, um, a lot do get so, thrown out. <laughs> Cause I'm, a lot of people file bogus lawsuits. 
but uh, yeah. the the budget is also moving. Um, I don't think there's anything to talk about right now. You know, they they just ba- they basically they had to plow through because obviously they're going to leave this week and not come back for a couple of weeks. That kind of weird break that they take uh, in in the short years um, and, and odd number sessions. But they did have to get the budget through both chambers so they could form a conference committee and then actually pass what the hell it is they're going to do when they come back. So, you know, there's not that much to talk about now, but at least worth knowing that the budget has, has, has passed both chambers and is, and they've, they've, I haven't seen the house's members. I saw the Senate uh, announce their members of the conference committee. So uh, that process will be moving forward, especially here over, over the break. Um, COVID cases continue to be high. Stephanie, especially Fayette County has, is continues to see jumps. Um, you know, of interest in the COVID related world. Uh, I know I, I've seen a couple of posts on Facebook. Uh, you brought up earlier today with me. It would appear that University of Kentucky is vaccinating people who are wildly outside of the, who, who are in on their staff, but wildly outside of the parameters set up by the state. It, it looks like there's a lot of non-medical staff of, of, a, of, of a wide variety getting vaccinated, which I think brings up some concerns for a lot of people over you know, what the hell are we doing here with these doses? I thought we had, I thought we had a process in place. Yeah. I mean, there were always going to be flaws in this process because of the fact that these vaccines have short shelf lives once they're thought out. Um, you know, fascinating story this morning on the Atlantic um, about like random grocery stores in Washington, DC at the end of the day, rather than throw, they're under sort of an edict by the um, public health department of DC that no dose goes to waste. And at the end of the day, when these things, you know, if people who are supposed to be in the group, the category to get vaccinated, don't show up for their appointments, they've got these leftover, you know, two, three, uh, you know, vaccines and they don't want to waste them. So they start just like giving them to anybody who's in the grocery store. Well, this thing has like spiraled to the fact where now people, are standing in line for like nine hours, you know, to try to, you know, be the lucky, you know, winner of a, of a vaccine out, outside of their category. I mean, there were, there was always going to be, um, you know, issues, especially once you, once you get past sort of the obvious first couple of tiers, right? Like we can all agree that healthcare workers, we can all agree that people in nursing home, uh, but when you start going down the ladder, now you start getting, you know, a lot of disagreement about, you know, the prioritization and, and there's a lot of people, especially again, considering that these vaccines are so temperamental. Uh, we've already seen a lot of these uh, reports about vaccines having to be, you know, thrown in the trash. Uh, you know, the, the argument can be made at this point, like get as many people vaccinated as quickly as possible. Right. Um, so it's tough, as you pointed out, you know, the real, I mean, once we get the uh, the Johnson and jo- Johnson vaccines that don't have to be you know frozen at these high temperatures, and and, and that was only one dose, which is a big help. Yeah. Uh, so you, you know, that, I think of the problem too that that you've got other counties around Fayette and and statewide who don't have as many. I think we got like I think I saw we had twenty thousand people who are considered to be uh, healthcare. You know, personnel uh, that need to be vaccinated in Fayette County, uh, and that's obviously a much much lower number. And, and a lot of the, so a lot of the counties have moved on to to Tier B and and even some in Tier C right. already. And so I think, especially with the with the media 
you know, you, you talk about Lexington DMA, it's all coming out of Fayette County. So I think you end up with a lot of people in Fayette County being very frustrated by where we're at because they see people in other counties, you know, who they, if, if you live in, if you live in Fayette County, you might not be eligible with the same person. If you lived in Garrett County, you might be getting a shot. It's, it, yeah, I think well, it's- and that's, that's a huge, huge issue. And it's not just, you know, differences in county and region, but states, you know, uh, people are reading news in other states. They're seeing national news stories. Nobody knows. And that's the problem because now you're expecting, you, you've got, you know, tons of systems that are, that are functioning different to notify people that, that it's their time to organize and orchestrate, you know, the administration of those vaccines. And that's all very time consuming, right? Uh, you know, I had to alert my, when we saw today, uh, veterans over 50, I guess, are going to have the opportunity to get yeah, uh, I, I vaccine. Was, I was actually going to bring that up. Uh, I've got the, I've got the info on it. Uh, it's veterans over 50, um, requires two shots. So you, uh, three weeks later. So you would need to come back February 6th, 7th and 8th, but you can come Saturday from nine to hell on a military time. What's 1700, uh, <laughs> from five. Nine, nine to five, uh, Sunday from 8am to five and Monday from 8am to five at the Lexington VA healthcare center, bo- bowling campus, uh, formerly Cooper road locations, uh, 1101 veterans drive. No uh, appointment needed. No appointment needed. So if you're, if you are a veteran over 50 or no veteran over 50, uh, tell them to come to the VA this weekend. In yeah. Lexington. But it speaks to this, this issue of, you know, all of these different systems and, you know, you got to get the word out to those people and, you know, and, and just yesterday I had to alert my, uh, my uncle who's in his eighties, he's a veteran in Pennsylvania, like, Hey, has he called, you know, the VA, have they contacted him? He should be kind of coming up fairly quickly on the roster here. Uh, so it's that's problematic when when you've got to depend on people in in a given category to be proactive. Uh, you you brought up an idea earlier this morning about you know maybe we ought to just set up you know mass you know use use stadiums and set up mass uh, vaccination yeah, I, drives. I saw that proposed on uh, on uh, on Twitter yesterday. Is is you got all these all these sports stadiums that were paid for with taxpayer money. Uh, why not use those as, as, uh, as mass vaccination centers? That's a great idea because again, the goal needs to be to get as many people vaccinated as fast as we can. You, you brought up something to me to like a week ago about what was it, like 5,400 people at JCPS who were declining to sign up for it. So, so we're, we're, we're tinkering over here, you know, trying to get all these, you know, educators signed up, which we should, but the clock is ticking. You know, just just get people vaccinated. Yep, absolutely. Um, we're uh, coming up on an hour, so let's move it along here. Uh, hit a couple of news items, and, and then we'll end on uh, one last thing. I know you want to talk about uh, Twin Spires, uh, Churchill's uh, kind of online gambling portal is opening a sports book in Michigan with Brett Favre as a spokesman. So, you know, hopefully, we can have that access that here in Kentucky soon. God willing, Adam Koenig, please work as hard as you can. Uh, Two, two notable deaths, I think. Uh, Siegfried, uh, Siegfried and Roy passed away of cancer yesterday. Uh, Roy had actually died of COVID earlier this year. And uh, Sieg- so Siegfried passed away of cancer. Happy shows of Siegfried. And it's one I just actually saw. Uh, Jessica Campbell, who the name probably didn't ring a bell, but she was the uh, kind of foil to Reese Witherspoon in election. Uh, 
uh, she she passed away uh, December 29th, apparently. Uh, but it's just it's kind of just now coming out publicly. Uh, so that's kind of sad. That's that's a great 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 movie if you're if you're uh, you know, politically and campaign minded. Um, I guess last thing we'll get to before we get out of here, uh, I know Steph, you want to talk a little bit about the uh, the UK players kneeling and the controversy. Oh around. God, I just don't even anymore. I, I, I mean, I, I, I mean, here's what I, here's what I say about it. I don't even have the bandwidth to care. Like they're 18 year olds, they're not paid. If you don't have a debate about Colin Kaepernick, you know, making making eight, nine, ten million dollars a year, and and all right, we you know we can have a debate over pro athletes. These kids are 18. The only the only time they have a voice is when they're on that court. They chose to use it in the wake of a a terrorist attack on the United States Capitol. It you know I I I don't even I got some of the other things to care about. I don't even have the bandwidth. I want I want to say I will say a couple of things about it. You know, I really wish that we could get away from this. Look, I I I fly a flag on my house. I make sure it's in you know good good keep and. I'm, I'm more of a rare bird among Democrats who, who fly the flag because uh, I, I am patriotic. I, I care, but I care more about the freedoms and our rights and what we're built on than I do about these symbols. And this notion that it is an affront to a song, an anthem or a flag, I mean, those those things, I mean, are we dumb enough? Have we reached the point of stupid in this country that like we can't teach people in civics that those things are symbols, they are representations and you should care more about uh, the freedoms themselves? Um, I have a problem with that. And, I, you know, and this notion that that it's somehow an affront to veterans, like I, I just I, I'm sorry, I just I can't make the connection there uh, and care like because I, I know as many veterans that, that will say, that's what I fought for, right? Was so that those guys have the freedom to express themselves peacefully, right? And, and the, the hypocrisy of being more outraged about this peaceful form of protest than, than, than I didn't see these equal displays of outrage and, and tears over uh, the very much not peaceful um, demonstrations we saw a week ago. I have a problem with that. The other problem I have is, you know, we need to have a serious conversation. Uh, this, this speaks to the issues related to college athletics. Uh, we don't pay these individuals, these basketball and football players that, that put it all out there. They are working hard. Um, I, 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 it makes me sick. Especially and, and, because, and by, by the way, the NCAA just punted on making a decision, which they were supposed to have a vote in like the next next within the next month. They punted. They punted on making a decision on it. I mean, we exploit these individuals. We exploit their labor. Uh, these the NCAA, uh, these universities, and these these corporations make obscene profits off the backs of these individuals who 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 put their bodies out there, who risk their bodies, their health, their future, doubly, triply so that we push them to be playing, performing for our entertainment during a global pandemic, risking their lives, yes, their futures, 100%. their health. Yes, 100%. That is why UK is playing, is UK, UK, yes. UK needs the revenue. 
And the audacity to ignore all of that and then talk about these individuals like like you own them, like they're your property. Like and UK fans especially have sort of a sick and it and it gets it gets real dangerously into like racial, like these boys, like even that word, you know, and I know it's sort of southern charmy, slangy, but we need to stop and think about the language you know, and how it actually impacts these guys. These aren't boys, okay? These are young men um, who work their asses off to give a lot of people in Kentucky a reason to get out of bed in the morning. So, so can we show them a little bit more respect? Uh, let's, let's, let's get away from this language of, of treating them like they're our boys, our property, and we should be able to dictate, you know, their conduct. I just... Yeah. Okay. I'm done. Thank you. I, I just, I, you know, again, I, I, it's hard for me to get that worked up about it, especially when they're, they're not paid. <laughs> they're unpaid. It's peaceful. And, they and have a right to this, an opinion. This is the one, the one time that they have a voice is when they're on that court. Now I, and I, people that say, well, they should show it in a different way. Yeah. But you wouldn't be talking about it or paying attention to them if they, if they set it off the court, you know, you, you, that it's, this is by design. It is to get your attention. And could you please for five seconds care more about what their message is than, than trying to police when and how they convey it. And again, peaceful. I want to re- re- reiterate this a million times. This was peaceful. These are peaceful demonstrations, right? Uh, and let's get away from our obsession, this, this, this hyper patriotic, caring more about these symbols, the song, the flag, than, than what they actually represent. All right. Well, let's wrap it up here. We've rambled on long enough. I can hear your girls yelling somewhere in the background. <laughs> uh, so, so let's, uh, let's, let's call it, call it a week here. Uh, We'll be back with you next Tuesday. Uh, things should be hopefully slowing down. The legislature will be out. Uh, you know, it'll be after the seventeenth, so we'll see what the hell happens there. Which somebody I saw it on Twitter today. I didn't even realize it's just the seventeenth. Is also Q is the seventeenth letter of the alphabet, so that's why they're having their protest on the seventeenth. Put down the Kool Aid. <laughs> this isn't even Kool Aid. This is like drain cleaner. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyway, you can get us uh, wherever you uh, stream your podcasts uh, Apple, Spotify, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, all the major uh, outlets. If you get us on, on Apple, please be sure to give us a review. And we'll be back with you next week on a new Kentucky Politics Weekly. <laughs>